Good morning. It's a Friday as we head toward the weekend. It is Kale and Company live here on AM 1450 WKXL, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM, our signal that booms into uh, downtown Manchester and beyond, and nhtalkradio.com, streaming around the world and around the clock. And today, now how many shows can say that they have two presidents on the same show. You have Donald Trump and uh, Joe Biden? Uh, 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 not quite. <laughs> not, not quite. I, I, I have two presidents I'd, uh, presidents I'd actually like to have on the show. Uh, and uh, that is Mike Ramshaw, the president of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, and Tom Raffio, president and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental. And uh, Mike, good morning. Nice to have you back with us. Good morning, Ken, and thank you very much for having me, and good morning, Tom. Good morning, Mike. You know, we blended it last night, because I was at Delta Dental Stadium with you and my board, so it's great when Mike and Tom at Delta Dental Stadium, right? Great partnership, so. Yeah, it was a great night, too. If you missed it, the Fisher Cats uh, came from behind and uh, won in walk-off fashion for the first time since 2018. In honor of Vince Scully, Mike. The impossible right. has happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tom's been uh, doing impressions in the studio here since he came in, Mike. So, so, so right. help me out here. Uh, but uh, at any rate, it was a great night. The Fisher Cats also set a team record. They struck out 19 mm-hmm. Richmond Flying Squirrels in the ball game last night. So, I guess you know, I, I, guess, I guess the squirrels were blind last uh, night. Maybe so. They couldn't find the nut. I know. <laughs> well, I think it's great because we were getting a little concerned because the team does very well on the road, but it seems when they come home, they really just they couldn't find a win. It was so great to see them not only get that walk off, but the strikeouts and the side of things to come heading into finishing this home stand and heading into the next one. It was a great night at the ballpark. Another outstanding uh, Atlas fire dis- uh, fireworks display uh, after the ball game, and uh, er- everybody left with a smile on their face last night. Everybody deserves that's, a healthy smile uh, that's, after the game see, and, in, and in general. Everything ties together here. But right. but a lot a lot of things going on. It's been a, a great week, and uh, I think an example, uh, Mike and Tom, about uh, what a great uh, community partner the Fisher Cats uh, are, uh, as uh, they've held a, a couple of uh, outstanding nights. Wednesday, a fundraiser to uh, aid relief to Ukraine, and uh, last night it was Save a Family Farm Night, uh, presented by uh, Stony Field and. Mike, just uh, an example of, of uh, how, how the team is so active uh, in the community and beyond, for that matter. And let me jump into that, because m- m- Mike won't brag about himself, but the the New Hampshire Fish Cuts are such a great community partner. And it's not just those things. They also do the oral health challenge and the reading challenge. But there's these quiet little things. For example, last summer there's a gentleman named Don Lane who is pretty well known in the Hopkinton circles um, in, in, in baseball and well, he, his lifelong dream was to throw out a first pitch. So last summer, Mike arranged that, and Don unfortunately just recently passed away in the last week. So it's little things like that. And like last night, we had our we were there with my board of directors, and the one of my board members had a young son who was really into baseball named Aiden Movanium, and Mike arranged that. So it's it's the quiet things you haven't heard about, but also the the recognizable partnerships you know that Ken just described. So thank you, Mike, for being a great partner. No, thank you, Tom. And Ken, it really is, there's tremendous community partners throughout the state that have these tremendous initiatives. Um, and without them, you know, we're the vehicle to help get that word out. So 
you know, we meet with our partners. We have, you know, go to community meetings and we find out things that are going on and, you know, how can we be involved? What can we do with the asset that we have in the, uh, you know, in the city of Manchester uh, to help spread that awareness uh, and or raise funds for the organization? Yeah, it is really a tremendous thing, and uh, the Fisher Cats have been known for that uh, throughout the years, uh, from the start of their existence back in 2004, and it continues and flourishes uh, as of today. And I know, Mike, right now in the midst of a uh, long 12-game homestand, and uh, got the win uh, last night, but I know a lot of other uh, events uh, are coming up over the, uh, over the course of the homestand. Yes, sir. We've got quite a few. Um, tonight we have a Pride Night at the ballpark. Um, really, it's about inclusion and letting you know everybody know that um, everyone's welcome at Delta Central Stadium. Uh, it really, you know, it's something that we look forward to every single year. Um, you know, it's something that you've seen grow throughout uh, all of Major League and Minor League Baseball. Um, you know, taking that initiative uh, again to, to support inclusion and let everybody know that it's a safe place to come to at Delta Central Stadium. Uh, and then, of course, everyone loves CatsCon, right? It's having those characters coming out at the ballpark, it's, uh, you know, it's right up there with our Star, Star Wars night, um, our Marvel night. You know, we're going to have characters out uh, on the concourse, um, you know, for, for fans to see. We want actually our fans dress up in your favorite uh, character, whatever it may be, right? It can be anything from a famous movie actor to a superhero, uh, Marvel character, whatever it may be, you know, dress up. In, uh, in your favorite costume or T-shirt and enjoy the show at the ballpark. And, of course, we will cap off that evening uh, with a spectacular Atlas Fireworks show, uh, courtesy of the Hampshire Healthy Family. Hey, Ken, can I go as Ken Kale, Mike, you think? <laughs> I, want the, I always I wanted to just, pull that off. And I'll tell you, <laughs> no, you didn't mention this, but and I'm, and I'm not making this up. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought back the sumo wrestlers because <laughs> my board, like that, beyond the walk-off home run, the sumo wrestlers. I'm glad you brought that back safely because that that still gets the most hilarity from everybody that's there. So I'm glad you brought that back. And by the way, yeah, Ken, those guys are intense. And I'm glad I'm glad it's safe now. But the other thing that Mike did, and there's a there's a great book by Scott Galloway talking about how during the pandemic it created and energized a lot of creative solutions. But getting back to what the Fisher Cats do, during the pandemic, they had this big stadium and no baseball, and that's when high school graduations, concerts, et cetera, and Mike has really continued to leverage that. So it's, it's pretty amazing, all the different things related to the baseball game, but also outside of the baseball. Yeah. Including, right. if, you, if you're down in the the bowels of the stadium, the planning for, here's the, here's the radio tease, Ken, the September 10th Granite State Baseball Dinner. Tell us about it, Mike. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that intro, Tom. Yeah, we're very excited to bring the Granite State Baseball Dinner experience to Delta Dental Stadium. So, you know, after many years of having it, um, you know, down at the, uh, the, the center of Manchester in the Doubletree, um, we really wanted to to figure out a way that we can change up the experience for our fans uh, and even make it more open for more people to be coming out and supporting uh, the great cause. So it's actually going to be a really different experience where fans will actually be able to be on the field while some of our celebrities will be taking uh, batting practice and throwing BP. Um, and you say, how are they going to do that? So there's this net that goes from the first base side all the way over to the third base side. And the guests will actually have the opportunity to be on the infield skin while the batting practice is going on. 
And then right behind them, uh, behind second base, there'll be a stage. <laughs> we'll have um, we'll have a, a brass band there. Uh, you know, we'll have uh, Wade Boggs is headlining with Orlando Cabrera. We've got Sue Parsons to pay, uh, member of the uh, the Rockford Peaches. She'll be there. She was also in the movie A League of Their Own. And then again, creating and working with uh, Dwyer Brown. We know that name from Field of Dreams. Um, you know, he's going to be there and coming out and, and uh, playing catch in the outfield with the fans. But there'll be a VIP experience. There'll be, a, you know, food served at the concession stands and some VIP stuff on the concourse. And really just a great opportunity for fans to get autographs, you know, get some great merchandise uh, through the silent auction and, and truly just support a, a fantastic cause uh, with the Granite State Baseball Dinner, you know, going to the foundation um, and the uh, Children's Hospital at Dartmouth, you know, and we, and we great partners with Delta, Northeast Delta Dental uh, and the, uh, the Ted Williams Foundation. It just We wouldn't be able to pull it off without them. And, Ken, it's raised money, millions for chat. Yeah. That's what oh, people don't realize. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it, to me, it's the greatest combination of we, we're all fanatics. We all love baseball. So you can get that need fulfilled, and you're raising money for Chad and the Fisher Cats Foundation, which gets out a lot of scholarship money. It's it, great. And I, I want to emphasize, yeah, I want to emphasize, uh, Mike, that it's yeah. September 10th. Because I yep. keep, I keep, you know, I'm out in the community talking about it. Because I, um, I do actually run Delta Dental, but on on this side, I do a lot of sports stuff, Mike. <laughs> and so I, we've noticed. <laughs> we, so, <Yeah>. so, so, <laughs> I do. So when I'm out there, I, I'm pushing the baseball dinner, and they say, "Oh yeah, November." No, no, September 10th. So you you really yeah. should you, you need to emphasize that, Mike. Yeah, definitely. It is. It is. It's going to be an early fall, given that it is outdoors. It is September 10th. Uh, Four o'clock to seven p.m. Individual tickets are on sale. Fans can go to nhfishercats.com if they would like to support that and purchase tickets. Um, if there's any companies or organizations that would like to support through sponsorship, they can also go. Um, they can reach out uh, via nhfishercats.com or Stephanie Fournier, uh, which is at Fournier. O-R-N-I-E-R at nhpitcherguest.com. And Ken, since Mike mentioned Stephanie, I hear the thing. She's been great organizing this baseball dance. So give a big shout out to her. We hear the uh, the music in the background. Mike, can you stay with us for a few more minutes? Sounds good. I Absolutely. All right. Mike Ramshaw is with us, president of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, and Tom Raffio, that doting grandfather, <laughs> neat dresser, swell dancer, loves kids, cats, and dogs. And uh, and uh, you know, noted author, athlete, came in after a race last night. <laughs> we'll take a break, and we'll be back with uh, President Mike Ramshaw and President and CEO Tom Raffio right after these words. Kale and Company live on WKXL and uh, nhtalkradio.com. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 in the Capital Region, 101.9 in Manchester and beyond, as well as nhtalkradio.com. And if you uh, missed any of the previous segment, or if you have to uh, you know, turn off the car radio and head to work right now, uh, you can hear this program again in its entirety. At 7 o'clock tonight. That's good, Ken. You know why? And this is Tom Raffio, not Mike Ramshaw. Because there are little nuances that we put there, and people want to hear those nuances. And, Mike, offline, let's we we have a little suggestion for you. Keep pushing the September 10th date. Maybe me- mention it at every game during the, this homestand. Keep pushing it. We absolutely are. 
great. Yeah, no doubt about that. And September 10th, the, the new date for the Granite State Baseball Dinner, which has been wildly successful uh, over the years, but a new venue this year at Delta Dental Stadium. And, uh, you know, the, the, the players that are there, and uh, so far, Wade Boggs and Orlando Cabrera, and uh, there may be more added to the list, but uh, they're going to have the opportunity to show uh, show their skills, I guess. As Now, I, will this be uh, an audience participation event as well? Uh, there is an opportunity. There's limited opportunities for fans to actually purchase uh, the experience to be able to take uh, batting practice. I, I forgot to mention, I apologize, uh, you know, Bob Stanley and Drago will be, uh, be throwing ah, okay. the pitches. Yeah. So if it's an opportunity that a fan on September 10th would like to take swings uh, from those gentlemen, uh, it's $1,000. You get um, uh, 10 swings, you get a, a Fisher Cats jersey, and an opportunity to, to be right there on the field uh, taking batting practice itself. I want to take a swipe at Dick Drago, you know, because in the 75, <laughs> 75 Red Sox, like Dick Drago and Jim Willoughby, yeah. those, those were the yeah. two. Yeah. Do you know what Dick Drago's nickname was? Dick Drago's nickname. I, I'm not I'm sure. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. The Black Dragon was his nickname. The Black Dragon. I get a little little play on words there. Drago, Dragon, yeah. I so get it. Uh, he was so he and Jim Willoughby sort of shared the closing duties in 1975, and they should have won the World Series that year. That another World Series that killed me right up at, with 1986. <laughs> so yeah, so I think if you the VIP portion, you will be able to take some swings, Mike. Right? That is correct. It'll take place during that. Um, yep. Sign me up, Ken. So a thousand dollars, and uh, <laughs> you get a Fisher Cats jersey, and get to hit against some uh, former big leaguers. What more could you want, right? And and uh, and obviously know that there, your money is going to a, a terrific cause as well. So uh, all kinds of positives there. And so the the food, Mike, will be uh, served at the uh, at the concession stands. Is that right? That is correct. We'll have a separate VIP area for those that are participating in the VIP. But then everything else will be like your typical ballpark fair set up on the concourse for fans. Really a great, you know, having that experience and that involvement and so many different things going on at once. Uh, in an outdoor venue on September 10th is really a tremendous opportunity. It's terrific. And like I like to listen, it's such a great combination if you're, you're a baseball fan like so many of us and you're raising funds for the Children's Hospital at Dartmouth and the Fisher Cats Foundation. It's such a great combination. And let's get out there and let's see what the outdoor experience is like. I know I'm looking forward to Mike. I, I wish it was September 10th already, Ken. I know. Well, don't push it. You know, we've got a great month of August <laughs> uh, coming up uh, and home games for the Fisher Cats through uh, through next weekend. As a matter of fact, this this is the longest homestand of the year, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, we've got two homestands uh, every year. Well, so far, uh, two back-to-back homestands were 12 games in 13 days. So yeah. uh, we'll be wrapping up our series against Richmond and we'll be welcoming the Erie Seawolves, uh, who are the affiliate of the, the Detroit Tigers. Uh, you know, and some of the highlights for that homestand is on uh, you know, Wednesday, August 10th. Uh, we've got our camp day back. Uh, those were, uh, it's glad to have those yeah, education STEM days and our camp days back for uh, the local summer camps and, uh, you know, to come out and, and really enjoy and wear their camp colors and, and have a great day at the ballpark. So that game's at 12.05 special time. Uh, you know, we also have uh, on the uh, 11th, we're kicking off, which also ties into the uh, the, the uh, Granite State Baseball Dinner, but our first responders night. Uh, so through the Fisher Cats Foundation, we've created a fund to help honor and recognize all the first responders and and uh, you know those that that need right. I think 
uh, it, sometimes it goes unseen that, you know, the men and women that, that help us day in and day out from fire, police, EMT, um, you know, they're, they're also the most humble that never want any help. Um, you know, so uh, we created this fund to help support those uh, throughout the state of New Hampshire and the city of Manchester uh, that might need services. And this fund will go towards helping all those people. And Ken, that is so compelling because people that serve others, whether it's military or the first responders, they're, they're sometimes reticent about asking for help because sure. they're, yeah. they're the ones that are always helping others. And so this is a gr- great way of encouraging that. And thank you, Mike. And I'll be at the ballpark a lot in August, including that afternoon game on the 10th. Um, but we're not, not playing hooky from work, Ken. It's going to be more like a staff meeting. I, I understand. In, in front I, of the I game. understand, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but Mike, thank, thank, I mean, Mike, Mike keeps the Mike and his team. I mentioned Stephanie Fournier. They keep the so alive. They they constantly refreshing things. Just you know, changing up the baseball dinner from November to September tenth is an example of trying something new. It might take a couple of years for people to get it in their head that it's you know a September event, not a November event. But all of these things are both meaningful and fun. Um, and they never rest on their laurels. And the and the park is pristine. I had a, someone gave give me an email. He's been going around to a lot of minor league stadiums, and he said Delta Dental Stadium is in the top ten percent of the minor league stadiums. And you're doing some refurbishing, like in the years to come, right, Mike? That's correct. Actually, by next year, we'll be doing. We're excited to be uh, creating you know amenities for our fans, our players. Excuse me, and our staff. You know, it's it's. Uh, the ballpark is, is fantastic, and we're going to make some additional uh, improvements to the, to, um, to the stadium, um, and hopefully those will be all completed by uh, the, the start of the 2023 season. So we got a big, busy offseason uh, ahead of us. But if I could just say one thing, I know, Tom, you, you mentioned me, right, um, and the team and staff. It's, I'm only as good as the staff that I work with each and every day, and collectively we all come up with these ideas, and we figure out ways to help, and yeah, I just I want to make sure that uh, you know people know it's you're only as good as the people that you work with. And I echo uh, that about I, I've got a tr- I've got a tremendous team that that work <clears throat> that I work with every day that really you know they they work hard they work a lot of hours um, and really try to make the best for our fan experience. And everybody there is they always have a smile and the and the place the place is pristine. They you know there's a piece of paper on the ground and you pick it up you know. And Ken knows this because he's there a lot. It's, it's like it, Disney it's World. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, and I hear and uh, so many people coming out after games uh, and some there for the first time saying what a great experience it is at uh, Delta Dental Stadium. Win or lose, uh, it's, it's much better to win. But even, uh, even uh, in a losing scenario, people walk out and they've had a, a great night of, uh, of entertainment from, from start to finish. So it is a, a great experience. And, of course, the uh, prices are very affordable for families, much more so than uh, a Major League Baseball game. And uh, and uh, it's just a, it's just a lot of fun. It really and truly is. And we, you know, we you know baseball, you know, has sort of, uh, you know, it, it's not. You know, I guess don't people don't consider it the national pastime anymore. And I I love to see uh, families at those games, and I'm sure you guys do uh, as well. And and uh, you know, and, and sharing the the game that we all love so much as kids. Right, that's why, Mike, last night, having that young gentleman, Aiden Mulvanian, throw out the first pitch. I mean, when I see 12, 13-year-old boys still getting into baseball, it puts a big, no pun intended, you know, smile on, smile on my face. So 
Mike, you better remind people how to buy the tickets for the baseball dinner on the on the tenth. Purchase, excuse me, you can purchase tickets at nhfishercats.com. Again, for the Granite State Baseball Dinner Experience, uh, thanks in part to our great partner uh, at Delta Dental. Um, again, September 10th, uh, nhfishercats.com. And if you want to come out, uh, this homestand, the remainder of this homestand next week, uh, you know, again, same place, our home, nhfishercats.com. we got all the information. Uh, we got the media wall and, and all the stories on the right that have the links where you can get to the purchases and, and depending on what you want to uh, uh, support. And you can also call the box office at 603-641-2005. And there's an online auction already set up for the Granite State Baseball Dinner, including our electric toothbrush. So um, you, you can do some fundraising that way as well leading up to September 10th. So, Mike, keep up the great work. Oh, thank you, Tom. And I, Can't and do it without great people like you guys. And, and I know uh, Mike uh, took his son Colby to uh, UNH uh, this week as uh, he gets ready for the start of the football season. It won't be long, Mike. It won't be long. I'm so excited. So excited to watch UNH football. And we'll see you in Durham, too, as a, in addition to Delta Dental Stadium. There we go. Hey, Mike, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Tom, Ken, see you, Mike. Great talking with you guys. Mike Ramshaw, president of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Tom Raffio, president and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental. Tom, thank you, Ken. As always, I like love seeing you every Friday. Did, did, did a great job. <laughs> thank <co-hosting>. you. Hosting. <laughs> You're a pro. Remember a that if pro. dental insurance goes away. Okay, it won't though. Okay, but more ahead. Right here on Kale and Company Live, WKXL, and nhtalkradio.com. It is Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Concord area, 101.9 in Manchester and beyond, streaming around the world and around the clock on nhtalkradio.com. And uh, very pleased to have joining us on the show, Jason Reed. Jason uh, joining us today is a senior NFL writer for ESPN and Anscape and the author of a new book just out, Rise of the Black Quarterback, What It Means for America. Jason, uh, great to have you with us this morning. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, well, it is our pleasure, and I know you're you're somewhat accustomed to uh, to morning radio, from what I understand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, well, I had a very very short lived uh, uh, experience in morning radio several years ago, uh, but I, I am clearly not as accomplished as you are at this uh, in this field. Well, I don't know about that. That's subject to question. But I guess the uh, the the question that, that comes up immediately in my mind, and I'm sure the, the mind of many, uh, the, the title of the book, again, is Rise of the Black Quarterback, What It Means for America. What does it mean uh, for America? Well, quarterback is a uniquely American leadership position. You know, if we take it from the field to the corporate world, in corporate America, if you're leading a big project for a company, you're considered the quarterback of that project. Uh, in medicine, if, if someone goes to see a doctor and you know, has a serious medical procedure and many doctors are involved, the lead doctor is the quarterback. He's your quarterback. He's the person, or he or she in that case, is the person who has to get you through that procedure. And when we think about quarterback, we think of the best among us. We think of the smartest person in the room, the most accomplished, the person who others gravitate toward in a leadership situation. And what, what we have 
as as was the case in the NFL for decades and decades, and for most of NFL history, black men were excluded from even competing for the quarterback position because they were considered inferior to white men. That they they lacked the supposedly they lacked the intelligence and the heart and the leadership capabilities to inspire. So the rise of the black quarterback really coincides with the the, the rise of black people in the country in the in the previous century and this one. And what it shows is is that. When people get opportunities, when the playing field becomes a little more level, either in the NFL or society, people can rise up and contribute to the fabric of this country and show what their true abilities are. And, of course, uh, in uh, recent years, we have seen the, the emergence of many star black quarterbacks in the National Football League. Oh, without a doubt. Now, you know, and this is a, a very recent occurrence. I mean, the NFL started back in 1920. And it really, it wasn't until 1978 that a black man who played quarterback in college was drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. Happened to be Doug Williams. He was taken by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, you know, Doug Williams is a, is a, a major figure in this whole story because not only was he the first black quarterback selected in the NFL draft in the first round, he also becomes the first black quarterback to win this, to start in a Super Bowl game and win the game's MVP award. So, you know, when we talk about the star black quarterbacks of today, and there are many, and they're at the top of the game, and they have the biggest contracts, and they're, they're really in this once unfathomable position of influence and power in the game. But when we talk about them, we're really only talking about the last 20 to 25 years, which, you know, which is essentially a generation. Um, and for most of NFL history, these players were just completely excluded once they, once they tried to enter the league, they were changed, their positions were changed, and it really goes to the fact that the people who held the marionette strings, the team owners, the executives, the coaches, they just thought that black men were inferior intellectually. They could not read defense. They, they couldn't inspire white men to, to rally around them and, and to follow them. Um, and so, you know, when we talk about America, you know, writ large, it really shows that leadership and ability and success it's not the domain of one race. It's just really about are people allowed to compete? Yeah, there, and there was a, a time when uh, the outstanding black college quarterbacks were moved to different positions in the NFL: running back, wide receiver, you you name it. Uh, they they weren't allowed to uh, to play their their position that they they had in college. Yeah, and it was just an understanding. I mean, it wasn't even like this was something where individuals were evaluated individually. Collectively, the mm. understanding was, and, and black players in college knew this, black quarterbacks in colleges at historically black colleges and universities and other you know, schools like Michigan State and USC, you know, they had black quarterbacks in, in, the, in the 60s and the 70s, and it was just understood, it was never spoken that, okay, if you're, if you're a good enough athlete to potentially play in the NFL and you play quarterback in college and you're black, you are moving, as you just said, to wide receiver. You are moving to cornerback on defense. You're moving to running back. You know, if you were a bigger guy, you might move to safety. And, and you, you see how this affected all of these players because these guys were quarterbacks growing up, and all of a sudden they get to the NFL or they get to the old AFL before the league merged, and their dreams were extinguished. Jason Reed is our guest, and uh, Jason, a senior NFL writer for ESPN and Anscape, and uh, the book is Rise of the Black Quarterback, What It Means for America. It wasn't all that long ago, as you pointed out, Jason, that there was that perception 
that black quarterbacks were incapable of uh, comprehending an NFL playbook or unable to read defense or, or just, you know, flat out couldn't lead a team. When did that turn? When did that begin to turn around? Yeah, you know, I've been I've been asked this a lot, uh, obviously, with with the book, and and I, I try to break it down kind of into two parts. It, it it began to change when Doug Williams in 1987 had that myth busting performance in the Super Bowl. He, you know, all the touchdown passes, all the, the yards that he threw in that game as the Washington Redskins, as they were known back then, just destroyed, obliterated the Denver Broncos, and that was a seminal moment. It it, it was the first time a seed was really planted, like. Within the league, among the among the power brokers, the decision makers, well, maybe you know these guys can do this. Now, a lot of people, and when I say a lot of people, I mean the people who are the decision makers. Some of them thought it was a one-off. Okay, fine. You know, D- Doug Williams had this great game, and yeah, they beat the Broncos and John Elway, who you know was one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. But could this really happen consistently? So Doug Williams was a seminal moment. Then, but then when Warren Moon. Who did, who did not get drafted in 1978 despite helping the University of Washington win the Rose Bowl, despite being the conference's co-player of the year, he has to go up to Canada to continue his career as a quarterback. Well, he sets all kind of records up there, and he performs incredibly well. The Houston Oilers sign him as a free agent, and after a transition period, a bit of a rough transition period, Warren Moon goes on this great run. He becomes a perennial pro bowler. The, the Oilers win a lot of games under him. He has great passing statistics. So those two things, Doug Williams' seminal performance in the Super Bowl, Warren Moon coming from Canada and showing that maybe that Doug Williams thing wasn't a one-off. And then additionally, uh, Randall Cunningham in, in Philadelphia, he, he's this thing that the NFL has never seen before, this dual-threat quarterback who can throw the ball 80 yards and outrun defensive backs. So what we see in, is in the late 80s and the early 90s, these three people start to really change the perception so when we get to 1999, three black quarterbacks were taken in the first round of the NFL draft that had never happened before. And that was a real tacit acknowledgement by the league that, okay, these guys can play and we can't ignore this anymore. Uh, no, no doubt about that. Uh, the, the Arizona Cardinals recently uh, put a clause in quarterback Kyler Murray's uh, new mammoth contract that he had to dedicate a certain amount of time uh, each week to study game plans and film and what have you. It, Certainly seemed to many that that was kind of a a racist clause, uh, and it's it's already been rescinded. Yeah, you know, and the thing about this Kyler Murray uh, independent study addendum is it was a stupid idea by Cardinals. Man. Yeah, and Kyler's agents did him a disservice by permitting that to be uh, permitting that uh, addendum to remain in the final paperwork that, that Kyler signed. And as you said, the team has acknowledged what a bad idea it was because they have already taken it out. I don't draw a straight line or even a crooked line between the racism of the past, the overt racism, and this. I think this was a Kyler Murray-specific thing. If, if uh, Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, uh, Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens and, and Russell Wilson of the Denver, Denver Broncos, if they had similar clauses in their contract, well, then I could draw a line to the way things were in the past. Now, however, having said that, it does bring back memories of a time when it was the, the common prevailing thought that black players in general, let alone black quarterbacks, don't study hard enough. And, I, and to put the best spin possible on this thing, I think what happened was 
if you're going to guarantee Kyler Murray $160 million, the biggest, second biggest guarantee in NFL history, you have to believe in him as a quarterback. And I think, generally speaking, the Cardinals definitely did. But there were clearly some person or multiple people who had influence over his contract who felt that maybe we can prod him to like, you know, even study more and take it to another level. The problem is you don't put that in the contract because it could come out. You, t- you go to Kyler privately and you talk to him about these things, but you don't put that in a situation where it can embarrass him and now also embarrass the organization. And I guarantee you, moving forward, the next time Kyler has a bad game, people are going to bring this up. Yep. <laughs> Jason Reed is with us. Can you stay with us for a couple more minutes? No, absolutely. All right, Jason Reed uh, joining us today, senior NFL writer for ESPN and Anscape, and the author of a book that is just out, I mean just out within the last couple of days, Rise of the Black Quarterback, What It Means for America. And we'll be back with more right here, Kale and Company Live, WKXL, and NHTalkRadio.com. Stay right where you are. Welcome back, Kale and Company Live for a Friday, heading toward the weekend, and uh, very pleased to have with us Jason Reed. Jason, senior NFL writer for ESPN and Anscape, author of a book just out, Rise of the Black Quarterback, What It Means for America, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at jreed, R-E-I-D, E-S-P-N. And uh, back in September, Jason, of 2019, Anscape uh, began a season-long series of articles on the emergence of black quarterbacks in the NFL. The first article of that series was your welcome to the year of the quarterback. And as it turned out, uh, the victorious quarterback and MVP of that 2020 Super Bowl was Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you know, I, I, um, I went to my editors before the start of that season. I, I just told them that I really wanted to take a look at this thing, that you had all these black quarterbacks who were really poised to do something incredible, I thought. And the fact that it, it was going to potentially occur in the NFL's 100th season, the NFL was commemorating its 100th season that year, I thought, wow, the juxtaposition of this. I mean, this historically the most marginalized group in NFL history, black men who aspire to play quarterback, could rise to a position of power and, and like success in the NFL's 100th season. I, I just really thought that was something that was worthy of you know, kind of tracking. And as it turned out, Lamar Jackson, in, in his first full season as a starter, won the league MVP award. Patrick Mahomes, he, he, the previous year, he was the league MVP. That year, he leads the Kansas City Chiefs to their first Super Bowl title in 50 years. And he also wins the, the Super Bowl MVP award. At, at That year, at 24, he became the youngest player in NFL history to have a league MVP award a Super Bowl trophy, and a Super Bowl MVP award. Additionally, Kyler Murray, who we talked about in the last segment, he was the AP Offensive Rookie of the Year. Russell Wilson had a great year. Dak Prescott had a great year. So it truly was the year of the black quarterback, and the fact that it occurred in the 100th season of the NFL I thought was historically significant. Yeah, no no doubt about that. And uh, speaking of uh, Lamar Jackson, interesting case uh, with him. Uh, he is, of course, uh, working for a, a huge payday and right now representing himself uh, without the benefit of an agent. Yeah, you know, and, and this has been a, a, a major story in the NFL for, well, definitely throughout the beginning of training camp in the last, the last couple of weeks, but even before that. You know, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens are, are 37-12, and 12, if memory serves, with him as a starting quarterback. 
he, he's only the second quarterback in NFL history, Tom Brady's the other, to win the AP MVP award unanimously. Uh, clearly, he's been highly successful for the Baltimore Ravens, and they've been highly successful with him. But you, you, Lamar has a very unique way of playing, and Baltimore has structured his offense to maximize his skill set. Now, look, you can make an argument that every team tries to maximize their quarterback skill set, but Baltimore tore down their offense before the 2019 season and actually rebuilt it with things that they hadn't previously done before with the previous quarterback, Joe Flacco. So it's going to be very curious to see what happens with his contract situation going forward because when you think about it, Deshaun Watson has the, the big, Deshaun Watson, the Cleveland Browns quarterback, has the biggest guarantee in NFL history at $230 million. Deshaun Watson does not have a league MVP award. So it, it's, a, it's a situation where you think Lamar Jackson should get more than Deshaun Watson, but because of the way Lamar Jackson plays, you know, he, he utilizes his speed, and they, and they do things more with the running game with him, additionally as a passer, and he's improved as a passer. But because of the way he plays, you know, there's some questions about, okay, well, injury long-term, because he does get out the pocket a lot, and you're, you know, you're at risk in the pocket, but you're also at risk out the pocket. So it's going to be very curious to see, very interesting to see, rather, what happens with Lamar's situation. No doubt. And let's just go back uh, a little ways, uh, Jason, before uh, many of us were even born, and, and talk about uh, some of the quarterbacks that were responsible for breaking the NFL's uh, racial barrier uh, you know, at that position and, and what they faced uh, both on and off the field. And, and some of the names probably won't be recognized by many, but who, who were the, the pioneers, uh, the black quarterbacks at, at that position? Yeah, you know, I really looked to Marlon Briscoe in 1968, who became the first black starting quarterback of the modern era in professional football. He, he did it with the uh, Denver Broncos of the OAFL. Had a great rookie season. Um, gets in the game as 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 a basically an emergency starter because the, the previous starting quarterback was hurt and other people weren't effective. They throw him in there. He he thrives, plays well, but they take the position away from him because. At the, it, would be one, it was one thing when the Denver Broncos were having a bad season and they didn't have anybody else. But moving forward, they did not want to have a black quarterback to start a season and build around because the feeling was, well, white fans just wouldn't like that very much. Um, but Marlon is, is somebody I really point to, the late Marlon Briscoe. Marlon just, just uh, sadly just left us recently. Um, I, you know, I also look to who, a guy we mentioned before, Doug Williams, mm-hmm. the first black quarterback selected in the first round of the NFL draft. Um, you know, a name a lot of fans may not remember, Jefferson Street Joe Gilliam. His nickname was Jefferson Street because that was the street that uh, ran near the college that he was a star at. And, you know, Jefferson Street Joe Gilliam was the, had actually beat out Terry Bradshaw um, of the Pittsburgh Steelers right before, or actually the season that, that the Steelers went on their dynastic run in the 1970s. And he wound up getting the job and he wound up losing the job and how might history have been different if Jefferson Street Joe Gilliam held on to that job and went on to win four Super Bowls as the starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, so there, there were so many that, that paved the way. And, and Marlon Briscoe, I, I know he was a quarterback in Denver. Didn't he play some wide receiver as well? Yeah, you know, after the Broncos released him because they didn't want to have a, a black starting quarterback moving forward, Marlon goes to Buffalo and he reinvents himself and he becomes this, this, this top wide receiver in the league. And after going to Buffalo, signing with them, 
He's traded to the Miami Dolphins, and he wins two Super Bowls with the Dolphins on those great Don Shula teams, including he was part of the undefeated Don Shula team. So, yeah, you know, Marlon showed that he definitely belonged in the NFL. But Marlon wanted to play quarterback. He, he had played quarterback his whole life, and it nearly broke him that that was taken away from him. Well, Jason Reed, uh, appreciate your time on this uh, on this Friday morning and uh, a terrific book. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to reading it uh, very very soon. And uh, best of luck with it. Oh, hey, listen, thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Uh, it is our pleasure, Jason. Thanks so much, Jason Reed. Rise of the Black Quarterback. What does it mean for America? Thanks so much, Jason. Oh, thank you. Have a good day. Take care. You too. And if you missed any of this uh, program today or want to hear it again in our first half hour, we had uh, two presidents, uh, Tom Raphael, president and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental, and Mike Ramshaw, president of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, who, by the way, will be home all weekend and uh, tonight at uh, 7.05, tomorrow at 7.05, and then uh, Sunday at 1.35, all against the Richmond Flying Squirrels, and uh, following tomorrow night's game, another uh, Atlas uh, fireworks display at uh, Delta Dental Stadium, and uh, off Monday, and then the six straight games against the Erie Seawolves, who are the AA affiliate of the Detroit Tigers, including that uh, matinee game on Wednesday of uh, next week at noontime. Another great event going on this weekend in the Granite State is the return of the Pittsfield Balloon Festival. And that is always a very, very colorful event. There's a great picture of a hot air balloon in the sunset uh, last night in Pittsfield. And it's going on all weekend long. And a good article, too, in the uh, Concord Monitor today. And to uh, quote a little bit from it, for one, it's the first time that the rally has been held in earnest for the past three years after festivities were canceled in 2021 and 2022 due to the pandemic. And it's the 40th anniversary of the rally held every year by the Suncook Valley Rotary Club. And third, the anniversary comes with an asterisk. Pilots like Mike Olin of Heaven Sent Ballooning lifted off the past two years during the rally weekend to give the community the same uh, serene sights of seeing floats in the sky. Uh, even though the annual staples like carnival rides and the rotary breakfast were canceled, the balloon still took off, which is why this year gets to be the 40th anniversary. Even though the, uh, the past two celebrations in 20 and 21 were a little subdued because of the uh, pandemic, it is back in full force this weekend in Pittsfield. Always a very colorful event. And also this weekend marks the start of the League of New Hampshire Craftsman's Fair at Mount Sunapee. We had uh, Miriam Carter, the executive director of the League of New Hampshire Craftsmen's on a, a craftsman on a couple of weeks ago on uh, Kale & Company. And it's always a terrific event. Uh, there are so many craftsmen from around the, uh, New Hampshire and beyond as they in, invite some uh, juried artists to the event as well. And it's always a great take and a great place, folks, 
to uh, perhaps get some early Christmas shopping done, get it out of the way, and get uh, someone special in your life a very unique gift from the League of New Hampshire Craftsman's Fair. And it all starts this weekend at Mount Sunapee. Uh, we have to mosey on out of here and make way for some more outstanding programming on WKXL. And again, this show will be aired in its entirety tonight at 7 o'clock. Thanks to Kat for another great job on the board. And uh, we hope that uh, all of you have a wonderful New Hampshire weekend. And we'll look for you back here Monday morning, bright and early at 8 o'clock on Kale and Company Live. Have a great weekend, everyone.